0: You are listening to Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell Boise. I'm Justin Vaughn. I'm here with Jen Schneider and Corey Cook. We are all professors at Boise State University in the School of Public Service, and we are hosts of today's episode of The Big Tent. We're joined today by Tracy Andrus. Tracy um, has had a, a storied uh, uh, career um, in the business community in Idaho, as a public uh, uh, servant in Idaho, a public leader in Idaho. Um, And uh, is also the daughter of of, uh, Governor Andrus, um, who just yesterday had a uh, a really wonderful kind of a a bust uh, in a park named after him. We'll talk a little bit about that today. But before we get into it, I wanted to tell uh, you all a little bit about Tracy. She's today the president and chairman of the Andrus Center for Public Policy. But she's been involved in a variety of things, from packaged good marketing, packaged goods marketing, to um, working for major corporations like Blue Cross, um, being an original member of the Downtown Boise Association, uh, consultant in, on a variety of things. Uh, Tracy, welcome to the Big Tent.
1: Thanks, Justin. It's great to be here.
0: So. Um, as I mentioned, you are the um, President of uh, and, and Chairman of the Board of the Anders Center for Public Policy. You've been doing that for a few years. Um, I,
1: I tell people I'm four years into a one-year commitment I made to my father.
0: <laughs> that's how it works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I didn't know that at the time, but I figured that out. <laughs>
2: And yesterday was uh, obviously an important day in the city's history. This dedication of the Cecil D. Andrews Park, right across from the Capitol. Um, there have been a number of, I think, important dedications of, of late, including the the d- dedication of the the Andres Wilderness Center. Uh, sorry, Wilderness Area. Right. Uh, the Boulder White Clouds being being renamed, which is obviously. Um, an important dedication to your to your dad. I thought we should talk maybe a little bit about some of his of his legacy. Obviously, this was you know, five plus decades in public life. Um, I mean, he made an en- enormous mark in Idaho. I mean, what what, what is this, from your perspective? What do you see as sort of his his legacy?
1: Well, when people think of Dad, they think of a couple of things. Obviously, they they look at his history of conservation. Uh, Dad always called himself a pragmatic conservationist because uh, one of his favorite sayings and the one that's often quoted is first you must make a living, then you must have a living that's worthwhile. So there's that blend and balance that he always strived for. In the 1970 election when he ran for governor that was the molybdenum mining issue with within the white clouds and, and People report, um, I haven't researched it, that that was the first uh, election in the nation where the environmental issue really was one of the top issues and one of the deciding factors in uh, in the race, and so that kind of forged his the start of his view, but you know, Dad grew up in the woods. He grew up hunting and fishing and he was the, the son of a sawmill operator and, and uh, in his early days after he uh, served in the Korean War, he came back and joined his father and, and he worked as a lumberjack and that's one of the beautiful things on the park. It says, from lumberjack to statesman. Dad was proud of that mm-hmm. uh, and, and it really, he never lost that feeling of being one of the people and and understanding the struggles that people go through, but he wanted us to protect the incredible uh, natural gifts that Idaho has for the generations to come. He thought we had a duty to protect that, but to also find that balance so that people could make a living. Uh, You can't lock everything up. He never supported just, just locking everything up. You had to find that balance.
2: And obviously, his Interior Secretary made a mark in Alaska, the largest uh, public lands project, I guess, in, in he, national history.
1: Yeah, he, uh, I mean, he, he loved He always said Alaska's his second favorite state. <laughs> uh, and, and he thought that it was so important. Uh, he said, in Alaska, we have a chance to do it right the first time. <laughs> and because in so many areas of our country, by the time we realized what we shouldn't be doing, we'd already done it. And, and so he, uh, dad was a bit of a horse trader. <laughs> and he couldn't get Congress to move on protecting uh, a number of the pristine areas in Alaska. And so he went to the president and said, I think we need to use the Antiquities Act. Not because that's the way it should be done, but because that was what he would hold over Congress's head in order to get them to act. And so when they locked up that land with the Antiquities Act and then told Congress, pass the legislation and the first piece of it will be to rescind the the action that they took. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the, um, the, the way that they got it done and frankly that was kind of the same trading cards they used right, with the uh, Boulder White Clouds. That's yeah, like absolutely.
2: We um, could talk a little bit about the nuclear waste issue. Obviously, that's something that uh, uh, you know he fought around environmental issues. The, the effort to block a, a coal plant not far from Boise. Um, you know, even after he was out of office, uh, made his oh, mark on nuclear waste.
1: Yeah, it continued to be his passion uh, right up to to the end. And uh, one of his big concerns is that we have this aquifer that we all drink water from and that we we feed our crops from that's lying underneath that waste and we shouldn't be the repository for the nation's waste and doe has been proven that we can't trust them they will they will make lots of commitments to us and they have and we have the 1995 agreement and they said we'll we'll move that out but they just keep putting the camel's nose under the tent Mm -hmm.
2: The ceremony yesterday. The the music was provided by the the Andrus Elementary School uh, choir. <laughs> uh, the school is named after the governor in 1997,
1: I believe. I I'll right? have to go with your okay. memory. It was it was a while <laughs> okay. ago. Yeah,
2: um, but obviously education was a big piece of his legacy.
1: Oh, absolutely. So, starting yeah. s- starting all way back in the legislature, Dad fought uh, for kindergartens. He supported the sales tax because that money was to go to education. He saw our children, rightly, I believe, as our future, and he saw the schools as having the sacred duty of preparing them to take on that role. And if we weren't supporting the schools who were there to educate our children, then how did we expect them to be the leaders we wanted and needed them to be in the future? So having his name on a on an elementary school was perfect. He was very proud.
2: Yeah, it was an awfully good choir as well.
1: It was a wonderful choir. I was so <laughs> glad that they were there, and I told them. I said, Dad was so happy and proud when they put his name on their school, <laughs> because it's their school, and yeah. and and they they picked that that second song that they sang because the words. They felt reflected dad, and uh, and it was a beautiful song. And, you know, the thing that I hear, everybody says, oh, it was such a nice ceremony. But they all talk about the choir. The, the kids were wonderful. They're, they were talented, and their heart was in it. Hey. It was great.
0: We're going to take a quick break um, and come back, talk some about some more stories from your, your dad's career and some of your favorite memories. Um, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back after this. Your favorite radio station on secret ballots everywhere. Radio Boise.
2: And we're back on the Big Tent. Uh, We're here today with uh, Tracy Andrus, and we're talking about uh, the legacy of Governor Cease Andrus. know we were saying during the break that um, you, you sort of had to share him with the rest of us in Idaho for a long time mm-hmm. and uh, sort of wondering a little bit about what that's like I mean obviously what we hear about in terms of his legacy and I hear about a lot in, in Idaho is people saying I, I would never vote for a Democrat other than Cecil Andrus right and so I think people in the state knew him and he had a, a personal connection to people but obviously you knew him in a different way and I was hoping you could talk a little bit about maybe the personal side.
1: Oh, I, I you know, it's, it's a wonderful blend. Um, I've known a lot of, of the children of public figures, and sometimes they get that, the bal- that life balance just right, and other times it's really pretty difficult. We were very fortunate. Uh, yes, we always say dad loved the people of Idaho, and they loved him back. And we were more than happy to share him because that's when he was happiest. Dad could put on a flannel shirt and, and work a diner and then put on a suit and, and go toe-to-toe with the, with the corporate heads. He was mm-hmm. equally comfortable in both venues. And if truth be known, he really preferred the, the flannel shirt and sitting <laughs> at the diner, I mean. But, um, but he also loved his family. And and we found time to carve out our family time, and uh, from the early '70s, frankly, um, right at, shortly after he was elected, we built a cabin up on Lake Cascade, and that's back when you built cabins, not these big <laughs> summer homes. This is this is a cabin. Yeah, and we would go up there on Friday nights in the summer, and we'd stay till Sunday evening, and we we'd hang out. Um, we had the this little old boat called the Carol M, after my mother, (laughs) and Dad loved to put us on water skis and pull us around on that, and and it was just really wonderful, memorable family time for years and years and years. I was uh, 14 when he was elected governor. I was four when, and he was 29 yeah. when uh, when he started in the legislature the first time. So it's kind of that, that blend of sharing throughout our lives.
2: So you must have memories of you know, being dragged to fundraisers and events and things from the time you were pretty pretty little.
1: I, I do. I, I Well, two things. First off, I have memories of us being out at dinner as a family here in Boise, starting in the legislative session, but it continued through as governor. And we were all sitting around having dinner, and someone would come up, uh, senator or governor, don't get up. I just wanted to say hi. Well, he knew everybody. So... Uh, in the beginning, when we were young, we'd all stop eating, and we'd sit there while they had the conversation, and then Dad would sit down, and we'd start eating again, and five minutes later, somebody else would come by the table. We'd all stop again. And 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 finally, we just got to the point where we didn't care. We just kept eating. If he wanted to talk you know, and bounce up and down throughout the whole meal, it was fine, but the rest of the family, we're hungry. We're going to eat. Um, my little sister, Kelly, is the one that ended up it, her birthday fell on the date of a fundraiser that happened over in eastern Idaho every year mm. and so she she would go every she was the trooper she'd go every year over to that fundraiser to <laughs> celebrate her <and> birthday, celebrate <laughs> her birthday.
2: <laughs> right. yeah with all of her closest friends exactly right? <laughs> exactly yeah um, maybe talk a little bit about the, the D.C. years, if you would, because that, obviously that's, I mean, we, we talk a lot about national politics, and, and that, you know, that's, um, it takes something out of a family and a person to, you know, spend some time in D.C. and essentially hitch your wagon to the political fortunes of someone else whose name is on the ballot. And.
1: Right, and, and Dad understood that. You know, he was always there as a part, as a part of the Carter administration, and, and he would tell the president what he thought. Um, give him his counsel, but the President got to make the decisions. And, and Dad was going to put his, his oar in the water and paddle in the direction that the President wanted him to. That's, that's the way it works. And, and, but it was a, because he and President Carter were so aligned on issues of the environment that it was, it was pretty easy. They, they seldom disagreed on, on that type of thing. The whole family moved back with dad. Um, my little sister was still in high school. I was in college. I went to school back there. I worked on Capitol Hill while I was back there. My older sister went back with us, and and we were there as a family uh, the first couple of years, and then my older sister and I moved back to Idaho. But I got to work on Capitol Hill, and it was a fascinating experience to see what was happening on the legislative side, uh, and and then to hear what was happening on the um, the department side and and specifically from the Department of Interior. I used to, before I learned how to drive around there, I would ride in with dad in the morning and and go to Interior and then walk the two miles down Constitution Avenue to the hill and go to work on the hill. It was (laughs) it was great. It was it was a lot of fun and I uh, you know there are good parts and bad parts of of having a uh, living your life in the Mm -hmm. fishbowl and being part of a, a of a public family, but there were there were a lot of, uh, of good um, parts to it too, and uh, and getting to see your government in action was was one of them.
2: Uh, he'd had a relationship with President Carter before.
1: They were freshman governors together in 1971, and and so they, as part of that freshman class, they got to know each other. They, uh, like I said, they had similar ideas uh, when it came to environmental issues, and the president said uh, at the time that he never considered anyone but dad for the interior post uh, because their philosophies were so aligned.
0: And I feel like there's a story about him flying down to planes before being offered the position. He did. Yes.
1: Everybody went into planes. Everybody went into planes to to meet with the president-elect. And uh, the president says that that was more of a formality than an Mm -hmm. interview uh, at the time. But um, but oh yeah he he flew into flew into planes and and met with the well everybody else looked at him as a uh, as a peanut farmer who'd just been elected president <laughs> but dad knew the president from their four years of, of of working actually six years of working
0: together and when he got off the job he had him promise to come to Idaho sometime and he ride did the river. and
1: and we 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 uh, brought them out the uh, president and. Uh, I've got to get this right. And Rosalind, the city is Rosalind. Her name is Rosalind. Um, The president and Rosalind, and their two eldest sons came out and floated the middle fork of the um, of the salmon with mom and dad. And and then of course all the Secret Service and everything. (laughs) My sister and I had to have the Secret the Secret Service came into our little apartment in Eastern Boise and wired it for. for a special phone while they were in town. No kidding. <laughs> I love to imagine the Secret Service floating the river. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a great visual. I know, I know that's. Yeah, that you're is. kind of out in the middle of nowhere. As long as you don't, all these guys with the things in their ears.
0: We have a a story in the Blue Review uh, about this trip that um, Governor Andrus t- uh, took with um, with uh, the Carters. Um, mm-hmm. That, um, that uh, General tweet out on our Big Tent uh, account sometime in the next week. And uh so if you want to learn more, check it out. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment and we'll talk a little bit more about what the Anders Center is doing and how it's furthering the legacy of, of Cecil Anders. Your favorite DJ is streaming live on radioboise.org. We're back. Uh, so, Tracy, we mentioned just a moment ago we're, uh, that the, uh, the Anders Center for Public Policy exists at Boise State University as part of the School of Public Service. Um, they've been doing for many years um, really great things. Most recently, some really impressive conferences about um, gender and women, about education, water, public lands, wa- water. Uh, most recently yeah, water um, that Jen was a part of uh, and we talked about on this show a we few sure weeks ago yeah. Yeah. so um, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what, what the Anderson Center's mission is and kind of what it does
1: the, the Anderson Center was um, created to carry on the issues dad's legacy issues um, the issues that were important to him throughout his body of work and, and that's environment, public lands education and leadership and so that's that's what we focus on and and to do that you know when a politician gets done with their political life and they've got this what they all call the war chest you know the money that they have raised to run the different races that they run there are a number of things they can do with that uh, one of them is they can pay taxes on it and put it in their pocket which is a travesty but it can be done uh, illegally. it can be done and and the other thing is that they can give it to some other entity, or they can create their own charitable organization. That's what Dad did was to create the Anvers Center for Public Policy. So that was back when he left, and when he left office, we've always been loosely affiliated with Boise State University because that's uh, Boise State uh, has Dad's papers, both the state papers and his federal papers. But um, we created a um, an, an evergreen. MOU with Boise State uh, three years ago, was it Corey? Mm -hmm. Three years ago and to be a permanent part of the uh, Boise State University and a uh, part of the newly created School of Public Service which is exactly where we belong and working with Corey and and the school has been wonderful Um, and so we we do conferences, and, uh, and when we can bring together stakeholders to discuss issues of importance, then we'll put together a white paper and get it in the hands of the policymakers and, and tell them this is what we're hearing. These are the common points that people are coming together on, and we hope that you will consider that when you're looking at legislative action. Can you talk a little bit more about that, just sort of the center's philosophy or its orientation? I mean, I think about environmental issues a lot and for better, for worse, that things feel like they're just being increasingly polarized where, you know, some partisans feel a certain way about the environment and others a different way. So um, in what ways does the center hope to intervene in those in well, this conflicts or debates. That's why we don't advocate at the legislative level because we need to maintain our nonpartisan stance, and we're very, very careful o- about that. If we're going to have a uh, a conference like the water conference, we need to bring in stakeholders from all sides of the issue. Everybody has to be heard, and then we're looking for that common ground so that we can, we can bring up the issues from all the different sides. But what's really important for the policymakers is to find that common ground. You know, it used to be that people worked across the aisle to get the work done that people needed them to do and because of this polarization, it's harder and harder to get them to have that conversation. We feel that's our special mandate, is to bring everybody to the same room. They might not come if it's held by one political party or the other, but if we can show them that we are clearly interested in all sides of the discussion, and then we can bring them together, and and then all we can do is is put that information in the hands of the policymakers because that's what the people elected them to do was to make the decisions. It's hard to think of another Democrat who would have been able to really <laughs> do that in this state other than your dad. Dad would Dad would say that when he had the um, the honor to serve, it was a more collegial time, mm-hmm. and and they worked. Uh, Governor Bat was one of Dad's yeah. best friends, and and they worked across the aisle. From 1960 on, and and it was important um, to him to do so. He was, he was very worried about the current um, polarization that we see.
2: And the Andrew Center is closing in on another important milestone. I understand in terms of getting the
1: we uh, are. The chair. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> one <my> <laughs> one of the things that we're doing that, that allows us to fund in perpetuity our work is to create the chair. And it's the Cecil D. Andrus Chair for Environment and Public Works at Boise State. Um, You you build an endowment of a million and a half dollars. And the interest off of that then allows us to bring in a scholar of reputation, uh, which we have in Dr. John Freemuth, and uh, to lead our mission work and we are within fifty thousand dollars That's really exciting we are so excited and thanks to zions bank which just gave us a hundred thousand dollar matching gift every gift that comes in we get to match dollar for dollar so we're so close we (laughs) can smell it Okay, great. Um, so one of the other things we want to make sure we take one minute to talk about, we're about out of time, um, but we want to make sure we take one minute to talk about is the Women's Leadership Conference. Could you Thank say a few words so about much. that? Thank you so much. Our Women in Leadership Conference is so important to us. We sell out every year. Uh, we, we fill the Student Union Building with 800 people, women and men. We were up to 11% men last year. We love that. And we bring in women who are role models that can show us. The, the way to, you know, we're half of everything, whether it's degrees or whether it's uh, a population working, but we're in that, stuck in that 17 to 20 percent of all the leadership positions, whether you're talking the corporate side, the elected side, the appointed side. We need to change that. And this year, we're bringing in um, people like Gina Davis is going to come in and talk about her uh, foundation and the work that they're doing. She well, exactly is fierce. That. Yeah, She she's fantastic. is. She's, she's very bright, mm-hmm. and she's done um, incredible work. And uh, yeah, again, Zions Bank is helping us bring her in. Um, we have Pati- uh, Patricia DeStacy Harrison, who is president and CEO of the Public Broadcasting Corporation who's coming in. Um, Idaho Public TV is helping us bring her in. And we have trailblazers like Shawna LaGarza, who's the director of National Fire and Aviation Management, to talk about women in non-traditional roles. And uh, and Anita McBride, who um, specializes in gender studies, but she's got quite the history in, she was the former chief of staff to uh, Laura Bush, during the Bush administration and uh, and so she's going to have quite a a, a bit of perspective on on women and in leadership roles so that's just a sampling uh, of what's coming up it's the 26th and 27th of September we're looking for another sellout it's a wonderful time women and men are are invited to come and join us this year. So, if people want to learn more about that, they can go to the Andrus Center website. And Absolutely, and uh, AndrusCenter.org, and and or just Google Andrus Center, and it will come up. as part of the Boise State website as well. And uh, and we will have registration open in June. But right now, you can kind of take a look at what we're doing and uh, and come back in June and, and see us, and we'll have registration open.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, Tracy, thanks very much uh, for joining us. It's been great to talk about your dad, talk about what is your, you are doing now and kind of further into his legacy. Corey, what do we got lined up for next week?
2: So next week we have uh, Jody Peterson, who is the co-executive director of the Interface Sanctuary, is going to come talk
0: about housing and homelessness issues in the, in the Treasure Valley. Great. So we'll be back next week. We'll talk about that, and uh, uh, we will see you then.